He really hits that one. Oh, that is just sensational from Luis Figo. And then Ronaldo! Here comes Eddie. Not got much help. Oh, he doesn't need any help. How about that? Portugal. And tonight they've been simply magnificent. Champions of Europe 2016. Hello and welcome to episode number five of the Portuguese Football Show. It's been a while since I've been able to do that introduction. <laughs> Lots of technical difficulties, um, some scheduling conflicts and... Basically, just being really busy, but we look like we've got over some of the, hopefully all of the issues, and the Portuguese football show is back. Uh, before we start the show, I'd like to say as well, we'll be producing uh, lots of content for the Patreon page, which is now live after a couple of months of umming and ahhing and trying to make all the pieces fit together. That's now live, so there'll be some extra content on there, uh, uncut podcasts, some special edition podcasts, giveaways, Q&As, all of that good stuff. It's all on there. Uh, so the links will be on Twitter. Portuguese Football Show. We have saw quite a lot since our last podcast, but we'll pick up uh, in the Primeira Liga on the the weekend, uh, the weekend's action that has just finished tonight, actually, with the uh, Vizela's 4-1 demolition of Aruca. 4-0 up in the first half. I want us to start with two teams. Two teams who are currently unbeaten. Two teams who have got an, an identical record. 14 games played, 12 games won, 2 games drawn. Zero games lost, pardon me. Both on 38 points. And just teams, two teams who just don't look like dropping points. Even when they do look like they might drop points, they, they just don't. And they both teams, again, won... Pretty important matches on the weekend. You had uh, Porto won 1-0 against Braga. A game, a tough game. Braga, we know, will always be up there, there and thereabouts, playing European football themselves. They're now in the same competition as, as Porto in the Europa League. And then we also had, had uh, Sporting played as well. And they, again, played a team from Porto in the shape of Bovista. They won 2-0 uh, with goals from Pablo uh, Sarabia and Nuno Santos, who uh, assisted each other. So for the Sarabia goal was a Nuno Santos assist, and then for his goal, Sarabia was able to retain the favour. Philippe, these two sides, when when is the defeat going to come? Is it going to come? <laughs> crazy. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's actually crazy because we spoke about it in... People don't know this, but we record two podcasts and unfortunately we're not able to come out. <laughs> but in one of them, we spoke how um, balance is the, um, the league actually this year. And at the time, it was like only 13 points lost between all three of them uh, in 11 games at the time each have play. After two games, after not much different has happened because obviously they, they won those, every single team won those two games. So it's, I don't think ever has been such a, unbalanced league in terms of the top three and everyone else in the league, which is not very good. Uh, in terms of Porto and Sporting specifically, it's it's quite fun to watch in terms of how Sporting has evolved since those games after the Ajax defeat and the, even the Strill one where they won 1-0, Moreirense 1-0 as well. And there was, it looked like it was not going 
as well as last season in terms of how they were playing. Uh, obviously, Paulinho at the time was was missing quite a, a lot of chances, and now he's just a, a team like even against Boa Vista this weekend. It was just ridiculous how how easy it looked in terms of they didn't. He felt that Sporting never needed to speed up the game too much to create any danger. Um, and Porto, no, Porto is is interesting to see how the shape of the team is changing. So I think that was probably the most fun thing to watch in this in this round of games, which is Taremi and Evanilson have been changing in the front. They they no longer play. Even if you if you look about the last games with Taremi and Evanilson, Evanilson was playing ahead of Taremi, and Taremi was more like a a false ten because without the ball was covering the space behind. With the ball, he was staying. Uh, more giving himself into the game and, and Vanilson was trying to go more into the free spaces and I think there was a slightly change in metamorphosis from the team which is now without Taremi and a completely third midfield in there and how well it looked in the first half against Braga. Braga had no no options, I don't think Carvalhal was waiting for it to happen uh, playing Porto playing with Vitinha, Grunic and, and Uribe as a, as a number six and and that change is, is quite interesting to see because now we're thinking if in the next games, if he's going to keep the same or he's going to bring Taremi back against Benfica, obviously is the big game for, for the Portuguese Cup. And then later in December in the league, I think these three midfields work really well because obviously he needs to find a way of playing Vitinha and Uribe all the time. And obviously Grunic gives a very good balance to the team. But that mm-hmm. for me was was probably the most interesting thing to see um, this weekend was was that third midfield and how well it worked. And in the first half, how Braga could not do anything. Even in the second half, uh, Braga changed and they played better because it was, it was so interesting to see how Porto stopped Braga playing ahead, so the goal comes up when Braga was always trying to play off the back, and they were always making the same mistakes because they couldn't play inside, and they were always trying to play with the wing backs. And Porto allowed the ball to go to Fabian, which was in the first half the right wing back for for Braga. And because Fabian obviously has one big problem, as a few, but one of them that really killed Braga in their first half, which is his first touch is terrible. Um, is not good enough for, for this level because if you think about how many times the ball went across to him and he could not control it in a chest on his foot, so he's always bringing the ball inside and then boom, there will be a, a 3v3 in the middle and Porto win the ball back. In the second half, obviously, Ian Cote came on and, and that changed a bit and they were able to play out a bit more easily. Um, and then in the second half, I put a tweet out at the time, which was when Carvalhal takes André Orte and Alves Musrati but especially Andre Orta because he was being quite pivotal in those first 20-25 minutes of the second half. And when he changes the both midfielders, then Porto controls the game again. And I think it was fun as well to see how important is a is a manager with Sergio Conceição thinking a different way of playing the game. And then Carvalhal at half time seeing the problem and changing and making it work. And then by obviously one decision that at the time obviously you think you're doing the best actually end up being a mistake how affects the game so so heavily and so for me which um it, it it was not maybe as fantastic as last season's games where there was a lot of goals and then sent offs and it was very emotional uh this one less emotional but but in terms of tactical and knowledge and and how input the managers had it was it was quite fun to watch 
Yeah, 100%. I think, as you say there, from a tactical point of view, uh, the manager's trying to sort of outthink each other as the game's going on. As you see, uh, Consistile making a decision. Uh, and then Gabriel, as you say, at half-time, trying to think, right, okay, what are the next steps? How do we go about it? Um, Porto managed to, to be honest, the, the statistic didn't surprise me, but in terms of clear-cut chances, they managed to get 20 shots on goal. Um, and then, uh, you know, you see that, but then, to be fair, it was, it was balanced. They only had two shots on target in the first half and two shots on target in the second half. But as you say, they were able to, you know, to, to play that way. Uh, I, I think one of the things at the start of the season we were talking about was this impetus, this bringing youth into the side and how will it work and how, you know, how does youth development look under Sergio Concisau and that's not always the main thing because there's a difference between playing a, a player just because he's young and exciting and playing a player who's actually ready and we've saw that, you know, with plenty of players, there's lots of examples out there of perhaps players who do well at youth level and fail to make that transition. But consistently now in this in this Porto side, we're now seeing players, it seems like the average age is coming down each week. Um, you, you mentioned before, getting the likes of Vitinha in the side, someone that seems to always, you know, make things happen. Uh, João Mario is now, you know, is playing fairly consistently as well. Diogo Costa is, is the number one there. That's undisputed. Uh, Evan Nilsson, obviously he's not Portuguese, but only born in, in 1999 himself. So uh, Fabio Vieira, who uh, spent okay, another game on the uh, on the bench, he didn't come on. But a bit of a more of a, a fresher approach, perhaps, for those who, Portistas, who maybe doubted whether these players would be able to play. But as we've always said, if players come in and, and they do well and they can be trusted, then there's no reason you know, why they wouldn't play. Now, um, but the other the other team, it feels uh, it, feel, it feels strange that we're only speaking about the the two and not the third team in there at the minute in in Benfica at the minute they they're already four points off, which seems like quite a sizable gap. And then when you look at their actual form and look at the results they've pulled in, they've won eleven of fourteen games. Um, you know, I've only lost twice, but in the Portuguese league, I think. In comparison to most other leagues, uh, two defeats at this stage is, is is quite hefty, which which does sound really strange to say. But when you're when the top two in the league are yet to drop, a, you know, the, the, the yet to lose a game, then that that's huge. And then obviously one of the defeats, one of the two defeats that they come recently was against Sporting. So that's towards the end of the season. You're looking at that maybe as a as a classic six-pointer. It's a long season. We've got the January transfer window coming up. We'll see what happens. But Benfica, they got back to uh, winning ways in the Premier League. They won 4-1 against Famalicão. And uh, we, we actually we saw two hat-tricks on the day. We saw a hat-trick of assists from Rafa Silva and we saw a hat-trick of goals uh, from Darwin Nunez. And when it went to 2-1 after, after about 25 minutes, I was thinking, oh, is this, is this their gateway into the game? Even though... Um, I was thinking, yeah, Benfica look confident, but then for me, look how they they were getting attempts on goal, they were getting shots in, but Benfica were able to uh, in that second half really pull into another gear and and get that third and fourth goal just when they needed it. I think it's uh, it's it's never good when they allow the opposition into the game, and we've to be honest, from what we've saw from Jorge Jesus' side, not just in recent times, but maybe over the last couple of months. 
is you're thinking, oh, it's not going to be another case of a of an away day, you know, throwing away points. But that wasn't be to the that wasn't to be the case. How did you uh, how did you find the game, Philippe? It's it's fun because Benfica happened the same thing in the in a Champions League against Dynamo Kiev, which is they start the games so well and so intense, and you think, mm-hmm. well, this is like um, a proper team and everything is clicking on together, and then suddenly sometimes you don't even understand why it happens it just goes off so it was the same thing against Dinam Kiev after half time which is a completely different team and then against Family Cão as soon as they scored the second one I don't know if it's the mindset of the players thinking okay the game the game is done we can actually chill a bit there's a lot of games in the next few weeks so let's save our legs a bit but but then it's it's completely different team it's, it's so hard to understand the the why because it was not because Family Cone was doing something dramatically different from what they were trying to before. They're just, at the moment, just a, a bad team. <laughs> They're not very good. They, in the last three games, they considered, I think, 11 goals and scored one. So it's 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 hard to put a finger on it. It's, it's, it's so... It's some games, some, some moments are really good and some games are terrible. The game against, obviously, last week against, against Sporting was just um, terrible. And then... The Dinamo Kiev game, when you think it would be the opposite, maybe they would start a bit sluggish and obviously a bit nervous because obviously it was at home and the fans were against obviously the team um, on last Friday. But then actually it's the opposite. They start really well and then they drop off. This game, same thing. They start really well and then drop off. And then at the end, um, yeah, they end up scoring the two more. And that's obviously being an easy victory. But it's, it's quite hard to to understand what's wrong with them at the moment. Um, and obviously those two big games against Porto coming up um, still in, in December might be um, a decisive factor because, to be honest, if he loses both of them or mm-hmm. he loses for the cup and maybe draws for in the league, it might be the end because, to be honest, for the feeling that I have from the Benfica supporters is they're a bit tired of, of Jorge Jesus. Um, fed up, don't yeah, which is a bit of a shame if you think about the legacy he had in the club from when he first was there to mm-hmm. what might be. Obviously, you don't know. He's still a long way to go. He might win every game against Porto now and and actually win the the league at the end. We don't really know that, but um, but if he doesn't do that and he ends up leaving earlier to go back to Brazil or, or whatever, it's it will feel like um, a losing opportunity of. Mm-hmm. And and is a is a is a bit of a shame uh, to be honest. But to be yeah. to be fair, to analyze too much Benfica is hard because they they like three different teams in the same game. Yeah, they they've they do have that sort of Jekyll and Hyde. They, they they go through games, don't they? And as you say, they look like they can at any moment completely blow an opposition away. And and it's usually at the beginning of the game, and then it'll change up. And and as you say about George Jesus, there the, the feeling him. In Portugal, the feeling from Benfica supporters certainly online seems to be, yeah, just of frustration. And even when Benfica do manage to get a good result, it almost feels like they right just onto the next now, onto the next. With but that that expectation never really seems to to rise. You know, if you were to ask them, are they having a good season? They'd say no. But I think games like the ones against Porto coming up, the game against Sporting recently, it is strange that you can. You can beat Barcelona 3-0 and qualify for the knockout stages of the Champions League. But at the same time, 
have such like this I can't I don't really know how to describe it. It's almost this sort of like not so much disappointment, but you're feeling like the end is going to come soon for him. That's just the feeling I've got because sooner or later they're going to get in uh, not another run of poor results, but even just drop points. It feels you know what it feels like at the moment? It feels like he doesn't he doesn't have enough you know, with some managers if you're going through this sort of maybe a transition or the fans are a bit more on your side. It feels like at the minute every single defeat is catastrophic and the world is falling apart at Benfica and it's the worst thing in the world. And then when they win a game, it doesn't go the opposite way. It's just like, yeah, so what? <laughs> you know, we're losing against our rivals and, you know, we're dropping points. And as you say, I think those those two games against Porto are massive and they come, they're consecutive games, 23rd of uh, December, so two days before Christmas is the game in the Tasta Portugal and then the, um, the day before New Year's Eve, 30th of July, uh, 30th of July, 30th of December, uh, they play against um, Porto again and both games are away. They're both at the Estadio de Dragao. So a real tough moment. As I say, it does seem strange to call to call it a tough moment when you have just knocked Barcelona into the Europa League and obviously they're in a, you know, they're not in the greatest uh, form themselves. But, it would definitely be a strange season to look back on whatever happens. Um, and then, just moving down the table, we've got a team who, other than the game against Braga recently, the 2-0 the defeat, still going strong in, in the league. It is Estoril. They they won again. Uh, they managed to get another three points on the board. 1-0 uh, win against uh, Bill and Sad, who themselves are, I mean, they didn't have a shot on target at home against Stril, obviously been going through a difficult moment themselves with, well, we didn't even get to cover the absolute shambles from from a couple of weeks ago now because we missed the podcast. But um, yeah, Stril managed to, probably should have been more than 1-0. They, they managed to get 21 shots in, um, seven on target. They had 14 corners, which, I mean, I don't know statistically where that ranks this season for most corners in a match, but... It's definitely up there, and um, yeah, it was it was a bit of yeah, it was a dominant display. They're up to fifth. They've got six wins from fourteen, six draws, and two defeats. So again, same amount of defeats as as Benfica. If they can turn those draws into wins, you know those games against the the, the game against Santa Clara. It's, they draw with uh, Vizela recently. Obviously, had a good draw against Benfica. I'm sure they won't mind drawing against um, the the teams that are above them, whether it be Braga, Porto, or Benfica. But picking up those points against the teams below them in the table and sort of doing what Braga do, um, go into maybe the games with the big three, and you know they're not a write off. But if you can pick up the points against the rest of the uh, the rest of the table, then you know you're issuing for fourth or at least fifth position. And that feels like what they're doing. Um, still involved in in Tasta Portugal, they won the last cup game five nil away. So things are looking good, and we do forget this is a this is a newly promoted side. Yeah, it's it's for obviously Sturil's been doing a, an amazing season, but there's a few teams that's been obviously quite uh, eye catching and and quite. We are pleasant surprised to watch them. Another mm-hmm. one is is Portimonense. I think they're doing an, an amazing yeah. campaign so far, and they are well, two points behind Braga, one point behind Sturil, with uh, 
with obviously Nakajima again coming back to to Portimonense and and coming back from the dead. <laughs> just watching him play sometimes is what he does when they were playing against. Uh, for, I think it was from Malikama a couple of weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. and his first half ways cause well a bit of a lucky goal with kind of on goal with about with Penetra, but then his his pass for the second goal is just the the, the amount yeah. of football he has in in those legs are, are incredible. And then in in my other personal favorite and is probably the team I've been watching without excluding the the big three probably the team that are trying to catch um, as much as I can which is Gil Vicente uh, about what Ricardo Soares is doing and and then midfield with uh, Vitor Carvalho uh, Pedrinho and uh, and Fujimoto it's it's and how organized they are and how compact and how well they understand and look like every game they have a specific plan where they're gonna use um we used uh, the Samuel Lin uh, or, or Murillo and, and know exactly where will be the way to go. And for me, it's it's, it's quite fun to watch. And, and that's the big gap then because obviously behind them is Maritim, already six points behind. Um, so for me, those Portimonense and Gil Vicente are... Because to real, we were expecting it. I think it was on our first podcast, on the second podcast, in the beginning of the mm-hmm. season, where we both said our hot take for the season would be Sturil fighting for Europe. So yeah. it was if you paid attention to what they were doing last season, either in the league or in, or in the cup, is not a massive surprise. Um, now what Gil Vicente and, and Portimonense are doing and how close they are from Sturil, that's that's a big surprise for me. I was not yeah. expecting them from from either of them. So quite fun to watch. Um, and then on the other side is how many uh, managers been <laughs> uh, fired in the last few weeks. We were in the first, uh, I don't know, 10 games of the season without no one losing their job. And in the <laughs> last three weeks, I think there were six of them losing their job. And, and this weekend, there was two more. One we could see miles away, which was uh, George Simon from Pas Ferreira. I sent you a text <laughs> during the Friday. Be like, yeah, if he loses today, he's, he's going to get gone. the sack. Uh, it was the most predictable thing. Um, and then the other one, Santa Clara. If he was the Santa Clara of last season, would not be uh, predictable because they have a very good organization with uh, Diogo Boalm, which was the, the sports director of the club. And in the meantime, him and the, and the, and the chairman left for the new intake of the Turkish takeover, I guess, um, yeah. whatever company they, they use it. Um, and he, he looks just very rushed. He's <laughs> uh, yeah. been there six games and he already got the sacked. We don't really know who's going to go there. I don't think they have, a, I don't think even they know who they're going to hire at the moment. So, uh, unfortunately, I don't see Santa Clara staying in the, in the Premier League if they don't see, if there's no plan, then they end up, they That's will end the up thing. going they down. Seem like the obviously they had the success of last season and then going into the conference league into the qualifiers this season, but it has just turned into a nightmare pretty quickly. The the structure and the, the plan going forward, it does seem there's just no organization whatsoever. They've um yeah, they they're just conceding goals. I think they've conceded the most in the um in the league. 30 goals conceded uh, in 14 games. I mean, it's just not good enough. It's it's more than two goals a game. It's just, just, I mean, how are you supposed to give yourself a chance to win a game if if you have to win every game 3-2, uh, just to even give yourself a chance? And then on top of that, uh, they've only scored 12, so they're not even averaging a goal a game. So, it's um, yeah, it's, it's not looking good. 
Bassus as well. Um, they, I think I texted you back when you when you messaged me and said the last time they won a Premier League game was was funnily enough was was Porto Manense, which is way back in in August. And it's crazy to think that recording this now we're well we're moving into the the middle of December. So yeah, that one you could see an absolute mile off. Um, I'm sure we'll be doing a more in depth. Uh, relegation episode to make up for the one that got lost in the in the archives of footage recordings that we could never use because of technical difficulties. We had some really good uh, points and discussion and conversation on there as well, but I'm sure we'll be definitely uh, we'll be we'll be organising a time soon to to get a special episode done uh, of that, and then also maybe. A special episode at the at the top of the table as well, maybe outside the top three, but focusing on the likes of Strill, Portimonense, Santa Clara. Eh, Santa Clara. They wish they were in that episode. <laughs> a few <laughs> seasons, the last season, they would be on that. I know. Yeah, Gilbertson. Sorry, um, and then also, yeah, discussing um, the the rest. But um, to be honest, our, our first Premier League episode back, um, pretty much. Feels like exactly the same episode that we recorded a couple of weeks ago where it got lost, where the teams at the bottom were losing, the teams at the top were winning, and the teams in the middle were doing what the teams in the middle do, and that's drawing games. <laughs> but one one good thing about uh, this league so far, I think it's been since we are in the round 14 of games, obviously. I think since the round 9 of games, there's not been a nil-nil. Yes, uh, yes. So, and that means <laughs> at least there's some, obviously a, a lot of one nils, but mm-hmm. uh, at least that's a good sign. And to be fair, this this week there was some absolutely bangers of games. It was yes. quite Victoria. good. The Maritim Santa Clara, the Vitoria yeah, yeah, yeah. against Tondela, the Vizela today against the Roca. There was, there was a lot of games um, going around. So football, goals. No one, no one can, can complain about that. But then no. obviously if you take time to watch... Um, some uh, past Ferreira Gil Vicente. There was a knock. <laughs> <laughs> I like Gil Vicente, but that one was not a fun Friday night to watch. No, no. I mean, th- there wasn't a draw this week as well. To be fair, I think every game was was either a win or a loss, depending on how you look at it, depending on what colours you wear. Um, and that concludes episode number five of the Portuguese Football Show. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, hopefully these episodes will be coming to you with a bit more consistency going forward. Um, and technical glitches should be a thing of the past. Uh, as usual, if you can leave us some reviews on Apple Podcasts or share it on Twitter, share the links, Spotify, all of those places that you stream it. And of course, check out our Patreon. There's not a lot on there at the minute, I can't lie, but within the next couple of days, weeks and months, uh, that should slowly start to fill up with content that you can't get anywhere else. Uh, exclusive interviews, uh, scout reports, um, shorter podcasts, questions and answers, all that good stuff. So thank you for listening. As always, thank you, Philippe, for joining me. Thank you, and hopefully we'll be back next week. And th- people think about Patreon as the best Christmas present you can ever find. Yes, all for the price of less than a coffee uh, per month, which is uh, there's three different tiers on there. I forget the prices now, but all three tiers are below six pounds. I think one of them, the first one's two pounds, the next one maybe three or four. Um, just check, you'll see. Um, we need to help Aaron to pay the rent. Yes, please help Aaron. <laughs> need to help Aaron to pay the rent. Uh, so if you love Portuguese football and you love what we do for Portuguese football, 
Um, don't hesitate to help us out. Every little helps, as Tesco say. Um, and that concludes uh, today's episode from myself and Philippe. Take care and uh, see you again soon.